Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. You have your Bible, smartphone, or tablet and want to follow along, we're looking at that passage in John chapter 17, and we're going to take a look at verses 9. We're actually going to go right to verse 15. Protect them by the power of your name. Jesus is praying for protection on his disciples. You know, we live in a, in a country that's obsessed with safety. Uh, you know, you see warning cups on coffee. Coffee's hot, duh. You know, I, I, was, I was looking, there's, there's actually a label on a chainsaw. Uh, handle the right end, right? You, you, you would think that, that they would get it. Well, you know, we we're talking about Cuba this morning, so I thought I'd point this out. Here's, here's a, uh, one thing I found out about the country is that they're obsessed with security, but not so much with safety. The government is all about security. Uh, even people's homes are about security. Take a look at these pictures here. So you, th- this first picture um, is, that's actually the church in Pinar del, del Rio. Not a great picture, sorry about this, guys. But it's, uh, you know, the, you have bars in the bottom, and it's up in top. Let's see the next picture. You can see up in top, that little indented there, that's where the church meets. So, you know, that's where the, the men and the women, the boys and the girls, they come to church there. Of course, you know, that's the front doors of the church. So you step out the front doors, and if there's no guard really, you can just walk off the end and fall over, fall, fall right, out the, right out the end of the church, right? Well, you know, you know can you imagine going at the, the end of our church and just, you know, it's a story up and no guard really? It's not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, that's, that is life in Cuba. Well, today we're going to focus in on on Jesus' protection of us. Um, You know, even though we do our best to make this a safe world, we intuitively know that it's not safe. You know, a bad diagnosis can come out of the blue, car accidents happen, even slipping on the ice can happen. Uh, But it's not about all about physical safety, right? Emotional safety is even a bigger issue. the basis of most of our anxiety is the fear for our safety. Am I going to have enough money? Am I going to be appreciated or wanted? What, am I, what if something happens to my significant other? Maybe you're familiar with the 3 a.m. hamster wheel dynamic that goes on in the middle of the night in your head as your, your brain spins and spins and spins. Um, well, it was the last night of Jesus' life on earth. He had eaten a meal with his disciples, and now he's praying for them. They can obviously hear this prayer, and it's recorded. And Jesus knows that they live in an unsafe world, so he prays protection on the disciples. But he prays protection, well, in a way that we might miss, in a very different way than then we might uh, pray protection. I don't know about you, but often when we embark on a long journey, we will stop and pray and say, you know, God, protect us in our travels. Good thing to do. But that's not the kind of protection Jesus prays for. In fact, the kind of protection he prays for is the foundation for joy. Something else going on here. Come with me, John chapter 17, I'm just going to read a uh, part of the verses that Uh, that uh, Bruce read to us. Verse 9, I pray for them. 
I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except for the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I'm counting, I'm coming to you now. I say these things while I am in the world so that they may have a full measure of the joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil world. A couple of things I want you to note before we get into the meat of this. Note who Jesus is praying for. Verse 9, I pray for them, not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. And then if we had read to verse 20, we would also see that Jesus, my prayer is not for them alone. He prays, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Not only is Jesus praying for his disciples, but he's believing for all who would come after and believe in the message of the disciples. And you and I are included in this prayer. Because we can trace our faith history back to the message of the disciples. So Jesus, when he's praying protection on the disciples, he's also praying protection on you and me. I want you to note who's praying this prayer. John 17, verse 10. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. I will remain in the world... Uh, whoops, I missed that. There should have been a verse 10 there. Sorry about that. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and the glory has come to me through them. Jesus says, all I have is yours, and all you have is mine. You know, if you were to say, God, all, I have, all you have is mine, well, you know, that might be a little bit more than what we can claim. But Jesus can claim that, because he was and he is God. He's making a statement about his equality with God. So the one who is God is praying not only for his disciples, but also for you and me, that we would be protected by the power of his name. So let's go to verse 11. Now we get to this prayer for protection. I will remain in the world no longer, verse 11, but they are still in the world, as, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Father, I'm coming back to you. I'm not going to be in the world any longer, but my disciples are. Here's my prayer, protect them. Jesus is praying for the disciples' protection, praying for our protection, and he brings the authority of his name to bear on this, uh, praying in, in the authority of the name is bringing all of who God is to bear on this prayer. He says, I know you live in an unsafe world. I'm praying for protection for you. God, hear my request. Bring all of who you are to bear on this prayer request. And if God answers this prayer, 
look what the answer to the prayer will look like. So that they may be one as we are one. This is the protection that I normally pray. I was thinking more, something more tangible, like, you know, more personal. God, protect me from disease or disaster or danger. You pray for protection, but you pray for them to be protected so that they may be one as we are one? Um, what do you mean, protect them like that? Hang on to that for a moment. Let's go ahead. Verse 12. While I was with you, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus is saying, I kept the disciples safe while I was here. Nobody was lost except for Judas, that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Kept the rest safe, though. What does it mean he kept the rest safe? He says, you know, I, I, I protected them by the name you gave me. What you see is Jesus getting up early in the morning. He's praying, and I'm sure he's praying for his disciples. Even before he calls his disciples, he has this night of prayer. Um, and he's praying for protection on them. And the reason why the disciples were, were able to get along is that they were all focused on Jesus. They were gathered around Jesus. And so the unity that they had was because Jesus was in the midst of them. You know, sometimes the disciples would have this display of pride or fear, but he protected them by saying, wait a second, don't go that way. He would teach them God's ways. Sometimes he would rebuke them. Sometimes he would encourage them. He protected them. He protected them from the temptation of wanting to quit. And they were protected because Jesus was at the center of the group. Now he's saying, God, Father, I'm leaving the world. Protect them. I'm leaving the earth. Protect them so that they can be one, so that they can be unified so that they can be one just as you and I are one. I will remain in the world no longer, verse 11, but they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus is paying protections, and here's what I want you to know. The biggest threat to your soul is that your soul would cause you to be estranged uh, th that the things in your soul would cause you to be estranged from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not self-evident, so let me draw it out for you here. The disciples, as you know, were a hodgepodge of people. Uh, they were a mix of different social classes, different temperaments, different philosophies, and they were all able to deal with each other for three years on the road. Nothing like a road trip to test your unity, right? So you, you have... John and Andrew, they're kind of on the cutting edge of the religious people. You know, they were disciples of John the Baptist before they were disciples of Jesus. Matthew, he was a tax collector. He was hated by um, everyone because, well, he was a collaborator with Rome. Peter, he was impetuous, speak your mind kind of person. He was the kind of guy you either loved or you hated. Um, and then, you know, there, one of Jesus' disciples was a zealot. 
Uh, he had a political view that was a little different from everybody else. He wanted to overthrow the Roman government and wanted to cause a war to do it. The disciples had different views on politics. And yet Jesus called them together, and in this mix of people, Jesus, while he was on earth, was able to maintain unity. And one of the things you can get from this, by the way, is that un unity does not mean conformity. Um, unity and conformity are not the same thing. Where there's unity, you don't need conformity. And where you find everybody must conform, my guess is that there's no real heartfelt unity. When you see churches that put out cookie-cutter Christians, you'll likely find churches that aren't that unified in spirit. But the possibility of disunity was what Jesus spent a lot of time praying about. And that is, that is what he's praying for protection from. If his prayer for protection is answered, they're going to be one as he is one. So he's praying for protection from disunity. Disunity that comes out of pride or hatred or jealousy or selfish ambition or envy or forcing people to take sides or unforgiveness. Paul says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Look at how many of them have to deal with other people. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. Well, look, at, look at the community sins. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you that, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus is praying protection if they are protected, they will be one in spirit. Jesus prays for his disciples, and he prays for you and me because he knows that the biggest threat to your spiritual life, the biggest threat to your soul, is that which is in your soul that will cause you to be estranged from your brother and your sister in Christ. There's another reason he prays that. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still with you, so that they may have a full measure of my joy within them. I say these things while I'm with you, so that you may have a full measure of joy within you. The result of being protected is that we will have unity. We'll not indulge in the things that cause disunity, will not allow things like unforgiveness and jealousy and envy and selfish ambition to take root in our soul. But more than that, he's prayed for our protection so that we may have a full measure of his joy within us. Let me put it another way. Things like pride, Jealousy, envy, things like that that cause us to be dis disunified are the same things 
and steal your joy. When Jesus talks about joy, he's talking about not just being happy. Nice sunny day, it's nice to be happy. He's talking about a deep sense of well-being at the core of your soul. It's not dependent on the circumstances around you, but you know that at the core of your being, it's well with my soul. Yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff going on around us, but and we have lots of stuff to lament over, but at the core of who I am, it's well with my soul. Yeah, I'm, there's some crisis, and there's some trouble, and there's some concern, and there's some things that you know, just aren't right, and I know it. But they're not shaking the core of my being. It's, it's good with my soul. It's good. So when Jesus talks about joy, that's what he's talking about. He says that the things that cause disunity are the same things that steal joy. Things like undealt with anger, unforgiveness. Oh, those will steal your joy in a flash. Things like jealousy, hatred, those will steal your joy. Things like unhealthy pride. There's a good kind of pride, you know. But unhealthy pride, oh, that'll steal your joy. And he's praying, protect them by the power of your name, Lord, from those things. The same qualities that bring unity are the qualities that will bring joy. Um, you know, in the previous chapter of John, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. Love one another. When he's praying for protection and unity, he's praying for protection of their love for each other and grace towards each other. If you want more joy in your life, look at your attitude towards people. Look at your attitude towards the ones who are closest to you and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you har harboring pride or unforgiveness um, or envy? Or are you full of love and grace towards them? If you want more joy, look at your heart. I find this really helpful. Um, see, I, like you, am often tempted to make excuses for my bad attitude. Well, maybe you guys don't do that, but I'll, I'll, I'll own it, okay? Um, I don't like their politics. Well, Jesus had a zealot there. I don't like what they've said. I don't like what they did. I remember when they, and I have a right to my bad attitude because they were wrong. Oh, none of you would never do that, right? 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 No, no, no. The problem is, is it's your attitude, and you do have a right to it. 
But if you hold on to that right, it also gives you the right to be joyless. And maybe you were wronged. There's a lot of evil that happens in this world. Sometimes you need to go to the person and work it out. Sometimes you need to go to a counselor or to somebody who can pray with you through the issues and work it out. Sometimes you need to forgive. And depending on the, the size of the offense, forgiveness does not come easy. But if you want joy, then these are the things that will steal your joy. Someone once said that, that holding unforgiveness in your heart is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies, right? Well, it's certainly holding unforgiveness or pride or envy or jealousy in your heart is like drinking poison to your joy. That's what it is. Verse 13. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still with you in the world, so that they may have a full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you will protect them from the evil one. Jesus said, I gave my disciples your, world, your word, and now they're not a part of the world, and the world hates them. Tradition says that all the disciples except for John were martyred for their faith. They were hated because they followed Jesus. Jesus knew that would happen. So what does he pray? Not that they would be taken out of the world. Not that they would be delivered from hatred. Not that they wouldn't have any trouble. He prays, Father, protect them from the evil one. When you're hated and persecuted, it's harder to keep your soul whole. Not only that, but the evil one, Satan, is an opportunist, and he wants to capitalize on anything negative directed towards you. He wants to capitalize on the hatred, on the mean words, on the hurtful things said. But Jesus is praying that we would be protected even from that. Just because you're hated does not mean you need to hate in return. Just because you are rejected does not mean you need to reject in return. The quality that can bring you joy are yours because the power of Jesus is working in you even when you face persecution, even when you're wronged, even when people do stuff against you. Many times Satan will try to capitalize on those circumstances and he'll foster things that would steal our joy, you know, our pride, or he'll nurture a hurt, or our unforgiveness, or our self-pity. 
Jesus is praying that we'd have protection for all those kind of things so that we can have joy. I find that helpful because you know, one of my desires and one of the prayer requests I pray for myself regularly is that I would have joy, that I would have more joy. And yeah, we all want more joy, but sometimes God comes along and says, wait a second, I'm glad you're paying for joy. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. That's one of my byproducts. But you know why it's a byproduct? Because I'm dealing with your heart by my Spirit. I'm helping you deal with the hatred and the pride and the unforgiveness. I find it helpful because Jesus is praying against the attitudes that I would naturally adopt when you run into trouble with people. Jesus is praying for you as well. And he's praying for protection from Satan. But it's not, God, would you give us protection as we make this drive to Toronto? Although that's a great prayer. It's, God, would you protect me from attitudes that would, on my part, cause disunity within the body? Disunity in relationships. Would you protect me for the things that Satan would try to use and capitalize and so that, so that I would, uh, you know, hate those who hate me and that I would resent those who are mean to me. God, would you protect them from all of that? I'm praying this. And if my prayer is answered, what we're going to see is unity and what we're going to see is joy saying this to you now so your joy might be in them and be full. I think this morning God would like to give us all a little bit more joy. Are there things going on in your heart that you need to deal with? The Spirit shows those things up. Deal with them. Let's pray. Thank you for your word, Lord. It is profound. Thank you more, Lord, for your prayer because you weren't just praying for your disciples, you were praying for us. And so, Lord, I would pray as well. Lord, for us at Asbury, protect us by the power of your name so that we may be one even as you and the Father are one. Lord, protect us by the power of your name from Satan. And protect us by the power of your name so that, well, your joy might be within us and that our joy might be made full. I ask for your protection in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.